Welcome to Shelter in Place, a podcast about finding daily sanity in a world that feels increasingly insane. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. Before I begin today's episode, I wanted to ask for your help with something. If you listen on iTunes, you've probably seen their list of podcasts designated as COVID-19 essential listening. I've reached out to Apple to ask them to include Shelter in Place on that list, but I need your help. If you could take a moment to go to iTunes, rate Shelter in Place, and write a quick review of what you like about the show, I would be so grateful. Welcome to this week's edition of Shelter in Place's Story Saturday, my small effort to demarcate this day from all of the others that feel exactly the same. On today's Story Saturday, I'm talking with Nina LaCour the best-selling and Michael L. Prince award-winning author of four critically acclaimed young adult novels. Nina and I went to grad school together at Mills College back in 2004. I've always loved her writing, and when we graduated two years later, we formed a writing group with a couple of our classmates. For the past 14 years, we've gotten together nearly every month, sharing work, setting goals, celebrating each other's successes, and encouraging each other when things weren't going well. We've shared a lot of life together, not just books, but babies and career changes and moves across the globe. Today, the four of us are in three different locations. Even before COVID-19, we were mostly meeting over Zoom. Today, Nina is one of Penguin's biggest YA authors. Last spring, the New York Times ran a full-page spread of her latest book, We Are Okay, after it won the Michael L. Prince Award, one of the biggest honors a YA writer can get. Nina's had the kind of success most of us only dream about, but it's easy to be happy for her because she's also a totally lovely person. She's among the people in this world who've been most supportive of my writing over the years. She's believed in me, even when I didn't believe in myself. Nina hit her stride in young adult fiction, but it wasn't always what she wrote. I entered Mills writing a novel for adults, and then I kind of lost my way with that project. I think a lot of different things happened to make me understand that it just wasn't the right project for me at that time. I was very young. I was straight out of undergrad and I was trying to write this book about all of these people with a lot more life experience than I had, these parents of adult children and people in their early 30s trying to make sense of the world. And I was still in my early 20s and felt like I was bluffing. And then I took a class with Catherine Reese at Mills that was all about writing young adult fiction and reading young adult fiction. And I fell in love with that field of literature. When when we were kids and teenagers, there wasn't very much to choose from in that age designation. But there was kind of this golden era of YA fiction that came a little bit too late for me to read as a teenager that then I got to discover in early adulthood. And it opened my eyes to what is possible within the YA genre. And so I switched focus in grad school and I still wrote short stories for adults, but I started writing a novel for teenagers and that was my thesis. And then that became my first published book. After graduation, Nina submitted a short story to Zoetrope's annual short story contest. 
She didn't win, but she was shortlisted, which meant that her work was shared with agents and editors. That process brought her to her literary agent, Sarah Crow, and to her editor, Julie Strauss-Gable, who she knew from John Green's books, which Julie had edited. Sarah and I have definitely grown together in a way that feels really special. Her list was pretty small when I started working with her. And over the years, she's kind of shot to this superstar status in the children's literature community in terms of of agents. And that's really been very inspiring and heartwarming to see because she has so much integrity and is just such a wonderful advocate. And then working with Julie all these years has been really wonderful too. She understands what I'm trying to do in my work and pushes me to have more clarity in my own vision of what I'm writing. And she's always given me a lot of freedom to write about whatever I want to. And she's given me contracts before knowing what the next book will be and trusted me to write those books. Nina's first book, Hold Still, is a gorgeously written story of a high school girl who has lost her best friend to suicide. The book came out with Dutton, which is an imprint of Penguin, a few years after we graduated from Mills. Since then, Nina has written four more YA novels, and she's also at work on a couple of picture books. And then I'm closing in on finishing a draft of an adult novel, which funny enough, is the same adult novel that I started working on all those years ago when we met in 2004, but it has changed entirely as I have changed quite a bit since then and has become about all sorts of different things, things that it wasn't about at that time. And um, as I have you know, grown and changed as a human, the project has grown and changed and I'm really excited now to be almost finished with the draft. Nina's next book is coming out in September, and yes, as a member of her writing group, I am one of the lucky people who has already read it. I won't spoil anything for you, but it's wonderful. I asked Nina what her life has been like during this time of sheltering in place. Well, we were in a strange position where we were about to move, and we had had this kitchen flood in our old house. And then that made us leave really fast, like leave our house very fast. We were living out of suitcases. We were dealing with insurance. So they were only covering like five nights at a time of stays outside of our home. So we had to keep moving. We couldn't book any place for long enough to stay. And so we were just moving from place to place before all of this happened. And then we signed papers to buy a duplex with a friend of ours in San Francisco, so just across the bay. The place they were moving into needed some significant work. So while they were moving from one temporary place to the next, they had to decide whether or not to tear out carpet and redo kitchen counters, all the while paying close attention to the news about COVID-19. And then just days after we signed for this place and they ripped everything out, all of the work was stopped and we were all told to shelter in place. And so we've had a very interesting beginning. We've been living in this apartment. We didn't get to move all of our stuff. We bought a hot plate and a toaster oven and a bunch of like a kitchen island from Ikea. And we're just kind of settling in as this time goes on and trying to make the most of this, this new place and this new time. Then like everybody else with, you know, a small child or children, 
at home, my wife and daughter and I have been adjusting to all being around one another all the time. We've been adjusting to online schooling and taking our meetings from home. And it's been up and down, I would say. I mean, sometimes it feels really special to have this time together and our meals are special times. Like we really sit and eat together and talk and that's been really nice. But at the same time, I miss my hours of freedom in the day when my daughter was at school and I had this sense of possibility and I could do whatever I wanted to. There's a lot of negotiating who's on and who's off between my wife and me as the days go on. And, and that has its own challenges. I asked Nina if she's been working on anything during this time of sheltering in place. It seems like this time that we're in is going to probably change the rest of our lives in one way or another and change the way that the world works and in certain ways that we don't quite understand yet. I have been thinking, you know, should I reflect that somehow in the book? Like I, I know where it ends, but not all the scenes are written and should I try to weave this time into it? But I felt, I asked myself those questions and then I came to a pretty resounding no. I think it still feels too new to me. I think I can, I can work on nonfiction, but we don't know what's waiting for us on, on the other end of this or how it will transform the world. And I, I think it would be fascinating to write fiction about this time that we're in, but there's something about not knowing how it's going to end up that feels like I'm not ready to pursue it yet in a fictionalized way, maybe a short story or something, but I'm not ready to put it into a novel because I, I feel like I couldn't figure out what the tone would be. You know, if it's, I, I don't know what's going to happen to us. I, I don't know if we're, you know, going to find a vaccine and we're all going to be okay in the future, in the near future, or if we're going to be going through this for a really long time. I know what Nina means. Before we started sheltering in place, I was mostly writing fiction, albeit fiction that was increasingly dystopic. But during this time of sheltering in place, the work that has felt the most natural has been this podcast, these daily reflections processing my own uncertainty. Nina has a podcast too, one that I really love. It's called Keeping a Notebook, which is taken from a Joan Didion essay of the same name that I really love. And I started it just kind of on a whim, maybe a year and a half ago or so. I love podcasts and I've loved listening to them for so many years and always had this thought of like, I would love to be a guest on a podcast someday, or maybe someday I would be able to create a podcast. And then I realized how actually easy it is to do it. Like (laughs) that unlike writing a book that's published by a traditional press or making a movie or doing other creative things, you can just get a microphone and, you know, get a simple cast subscription or whatever it is that you use and find someone to edit it or learn to edit it yourself. And then you can have a podcast. And so I thought I would go ahead and do it. And it's been really fun. It has surprised me. It's all about writing. And sometimes the I have felt a little bit constricted by the subject that I gave myself just because I tend to have these big ideas and then act on them in a burst of inspiration and then the follow through and the continuing is what can be difficult for me. 
and once I kind of have an assignment, even if I've given it to myself, I find myself resisting it a bit. So it's at first it was kind of a, an off and on beginning. I thought I would do an episode each week and then I wasn't inspired. And so I would take some breaks, but as the time has gone on, I've realized that I really can make of it what I want to. And so for this time for our COVID-19 era, and especially while we're all sheltering in place, I wanted to do something that would be just like a, a very gentle invitation for people to write if they want to. I think that especially those of us who have kids at home or who deal with anxiety or who are depressed during this time or unable to work as regularly as some people are saying we should. And just having an invitation to do something that doesn't feel like it's pressure to write the next great American novel or, you know, pressure to be so productive during this time as though just because we're all stuck inside, it means that life has somehow stopped and we all have all of this extra time that instead of that, we could just say, you know, if writing is something that makes you feel good and if writing is something that connects you to the world, here's a prompt for you and we can do this together and it doesn't have to turn into anything. It can just be for yourself in this moment or it can lead you to something, especially in your fiction, which is where my podcast focuses. The theme of this season of keeping a notebook is writing in place. I have to stop here and say that Nina is the reason I'm doing podcasting today. Like Nina, I've loved podcasts for a long time. I dreamed of someday being interviewed by Anna Sale or Terry Gross, but I didn't think I could do it myself. And then Nina did it. I watched her put together this beautiful podcast about writing a podcast that was uncomplicated and lovely, and that inspired me every time I listened to it. And so I asked Nina to teach me. And then Sarah Enney, who is a friend of Nina's, who has her own wonderful podcast called First Draft, sent me a long list of resources about microphones and recording and audio editing. If it hadn't been for Sarah and Nina, I wouldn't have been poised to start this podcast when I did. I've also learned from Nina in other ways. Nina's been a teacher for all of her adult life, most recently at the Low Residency MFA program at Hamlin University. A year and a half ago, she started offering an online course called the Slow Novel Lab. The first time she offered the class in a beta version, it filled up in 10 minutes. And I'm really proud of what it's become. It is a six-week class. It's interactive. I, I offer it two times a year, maybe three. And each week the students receive an email that has a packet of exercises and thoughts about writing, encouragement, and craft discussions. And then there's also a recorded video lecture. And then we meet each week for a Q&A. And that leads to all sorts of interesting conversations and explorations of everything from how to get published to how to improve the pacing within a scene or how to make a character come to life. And it's something that has become a really important part of my professional life and that I, I love a lot. About a year ago, when I was struggling with my own novel, I asked Nina if I could work my way through the slow novel lab. Even as a writer who's written multiple novels, who's been working on my craft for nearly 20 years, I found Nina's prompts and guidance so helpful. I've been feeling stuck 
in the middle of my novel. And Nina's class helped me find my way through and realize that the heart of the book was actually something different than what I'd previously thought it was. One of the things that inspires me about the Slow Novel Lab is that Nina had to turn herself into an entrepreneur to do it. I had this idea for so many years that what I really wanted to do was to be a full-time writer. And I think it's because even though I love teaching and always have loved it, I really struggled with the grading that I had to do and the, the aspect of not being in charge of my own schedule and being kind of beholden to a school year schedule. And so I really thought, you know, I was working up to this time when I could just be a full-time writer. And then I became a parent, which was really wonderful, of course. And I quit teaching, but I was really juggling being home with our daughter for the first five years of her life and not having um, any sort of daycare or, or, you know, nanny or anything like that. And just really being on for all of those years and trying to fit writing in during nap times or weekends or whenever I could. And so when my daughter started kindergarten, I thought, you know, here's my chance. Like I get to be a full-time writer as much as that can, can be possible for a parent of a small child. But still it was all of those hours in the middle of the day that were just mine for the first time ever. And so as soon as I had that possibility present itself to me and and to think like, okay, so, you know, I, I would want to write a book, you know, every year or year and a half or so in order to make the amount of money that I wanted to make and in order to, you know, help support our family in the Bay Area. I got like struck with this realization that actually I didn't want to do that. I wanted to write when I wanted to write and I wanted to write at whatever pace I wanted to and to tell the stories that felt important to me in my own time. And I actually didn't want my financial livelihood to be completely tied up in the work that I created in my writing. So I started to rethink that and just ask myself a bunch of questions. Like if I could design my dream job, what would it be? And I realized that I didn't want to give up teaching and I could do it on my own terms. I really love the balance. I love having this thing that I'm doing that uses a different part of my brain and that talks about writing, but isn't actually writing. I asked Nina if there's anything she's afraid of as we redefine our lives in the world of COVID-19. Well, I'm afraid of a lot of different things. I'm afraid of losing so many businesses, so many small businesses that really create so much for places, right? I mean, I think... I've done so much traveling for my writing work and I've gone to all sorts of different places all over the country. And if you don't really know the people there, you can go and see what kind of businesses they support. And it tells you so much about where you are and what matters to that community. I'm worried about restaurants and cafes and all of these places where people gather. I thought that at first, this idea of sheltering in place I thought, okay, well, you know, I always want to cook more anyway. And I always think I spend too much money on cappuccinos or whatever. And being home for a while will make me realize that I don't need all of those things. But in fact, it's been the opposite. I felt that just a clarity and understanding why I like doing that, why I like going out to a restaurant, even if it's by myself and sitting there and ordering something. And it is about community and about sharing space and sharing an experience with people who 
I know or don't know. Um, going out to get a coffee is about sitting outside in this new place and having the chatter of all these people around and seeing a barista who I know and saying hello and seeing a neighbor and making, you know, small, not meaningless, but just casual conversation. And I miss those things a lot. And I'm worried about how this will impact that in the future. I also asked her what her hopes were for this time. I've been realizing how important community is and how much I miss it. I, I hope that we won't take it for granted anymore and that we'll seek that out. I was listening to your episode where you talked about your neighborhood and the Friday block parties, the cocktail parties and, and all of that. And, you know, we're living in this brand new to us neighborhood. And I just found myself thinking, you know, I hope we can find something like that when this is over, when we're, you know, coming out on the other side of this. I hope that people will start to come out of their houses and be a little friendlier and that we can all get to know one another um, and not be so secluded inside. And I think that it might happen. I mean, after all of us have been forced inside and have been getting all of our community through a computer screen, I think that, that probably a lot of people will be craving that kind of connection in the physical world. And so I'm, I'm optimistic for that. I think so much of existing through this time for anybody is is figuring out how to do something with what we feel and how to honor what we feel and understand that you know our feelings can pass and that we can pay attention to ourselves and be gentle with ourselves and hopefully that will you know have our family become more compassionate and have the world become more compassionate as well. If you've enjoyed today's episode of Shelter in Place. I would love it if you could rate it and review it wherever you listen, share it with a friend, and subscribe. The Shelter in Place music was composed by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions, and the Shelter in Place artwork was created by Sarah Edgel. As always, you can find links to the things I mentioned in each episode in my show notes at laurajoycedavis.com. I'll keep putting out episodes of Shelter in Place every weekday and Saturday, but I'll be taking Sundays off because we can all use a Sabbath. Until Monday, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis.